Good morning, good morning, good morning, Hill City. Y'all feeling good? Y'all all right? All right. That's what we like to hear. My name is Corey. I am part of the team here, and I am uh, super excited to be here with you guys in this way. It's always an honor to get to uh, teach God's word in this way, and uh, I'm super, super hyped to get it in today. Um, so the first week in this series, uh, we heard Lacey talking about this idea of the invitation, right? And then last week, we heard from Nicole, she was talking about hospitality. And then for me, this week, I get to bring you guys the sermon about belonging, belonging, being a part of something, connecting to something or somebody in a real way. Um, so if you're taking notes, and you should, because all good Christians take notes, <laughs> You can, uh, you, you can write this title down called The Practicality of Belonging. Now, we love Hill City Church. Those of you guys who are members here and been here for a while, you know John is up here. He kills it every single weekend. Um, the youth ministry is amazing. The kids ministry is super fire. Discipleship is like off the chain. If you guys haven't taken discipleship, I encourage you to do that. Uh, community groups go crazy. Everybody loves it, right? And uh, I would say those are the things that probably, you know, got you to Hill City. You know, you came, you saw everything, you checked it out. But the thing that got you probably to stay at Hill City are the things that you really you can't track. It's the intangible things. Sometimes you come here and you feel like, man, it just, it just feels like home. It, ju it just feels like I, I just belong here. It feels like I just connect here differently than I've connected at any other church. And maybe you've gone to church as well, too, and you've seen, uh, you know, when you first come in, they have the signs that say, welcome home. I'm not sure how, you know, how familiar you guys are with church, um, but I've been to a lot of churches. And typically, if you're new, they want you to get this feeling of your home. So, you know, in, in, in a church sense, that is how we think about the idea of belonging. People are always trying to get you to connect in a real way. Um, social media, we all have Instagram, we all have Facebook, TikTok, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, and you know, we post pictures, we post content, we post likes, and, or, or we do it for likes and we you know, want people to comment, we want people to engage in the things that we put online. Uh, and typically you want that because you feel like, hey, I might belong here on social media. You, you feel more connected, you feel more apart the more that people like your post, the more that people like your content, right? And then the adverse effect of that is if people don't like your content, if people don't like your post or comment on it, you know, then sometimes you don't feel like you belong, right? And some people even take their pictures down if it doesn't get enough likes. I'm people, I take my stuff down. <laughs> It doesn't get enough likes, right? <laughs> and then even in college, in college, uh, there was this, uh, you know, fraternities and sororities, and um, this idea of, hey, this is your fraternity brother, or this is your sorority sister, right? Because they know typically the word and the, the idea of family, if you don't belong anywhere else, you belong in your family, right? And your family takes you for who you are, the good, the bad, the ugly, all that kind of stuff. But this idea of belonging is, is, is brought into us from the day we are born. We have this innate desire to belong. There's a quote that says, um, we're all born looking for somebody who is looking for us. So we are always looking and, and, and looking for that person to say, hey, hey, how do I belong in this situation? And even before we were born, if we take this back to the beginning of time, if we take this back to the beginning of when God created this earth, 
He looked at everything he did. He said, all right, I created the sun, that's good. I created the moon, that's good. I created land, I created animals, I created fish, all that stuff. He looked and said, all this is good. He created Adam and said, oh, it's missing something. It's missing something. It's the only thing that he labels as not good for that person to be alone. It's the only thing that he labels as not good for something that he created. Now, he said, he stepped back, he looked at his work and said, this could be better. Let me create a woman. That's what he said. I thought I'd get more amens from the woman's. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> so even that, even that, right? Adam was looking for someone to belong to. He was looking for someone to share life with. He was looking for someone to say, hey, this, those fish that you created, God, that's cool. But, you know what I'm saying? I can't, you feel me? I can't really relate to a fish. So he created Eve, right? And this idea of belonging started way back when in the Garden of Eden. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I think that 90s TV sitcoms are like the best ever sitcoms in the world. They are. They are. I don't want to hear no, I don't know. <laughs> I grew up in the 90s, and there was this one sitcom called Fresh Prince. Y'all remember Fresh Prince? I feel like y'all bluffing, so we're we, we, we going to test something out just in case. I'm going to make sure y'all know it for real. Let's see. All right. Now, this is a story all about how my the upside down, and I like to take a minute, just sit right there, tell you how I came a prince. Boom, 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 boom. In West Philadelphia, on the playgrounds where I spent chilling out, maxing out, relaxing out, shooting some b-ball outside the school with a couple of guys. Started making trouble in my... I got in one little fight, my mom got scared, she said, yeah. I whistled for a cabin when it came near. The license plate said fresh with the dice in the mirror. I thought, man, if anything, this cab was weird, but I thought, man, forget it. I pulled up to the house about, yelled to the cat. I looked at my kingdom. I was finally there to sit on the throne. All right, we got it. Yeah. I like that. All right, bet. I'm with my people. This is good. This is good. This is good. All right, so for those of us who know Fresh Prince, we kind of know the story of the plot of the whole entire series, right? Will Smith is this guy where he comes from Philadelphia, right? He comes from the inner city. He comes from not having a lot of money, not having a lot of resources, um, the public school system. He comes from not having a father, which is huge, right? And he has all these things against him. Uh, and then his mother says, you know what? You've been in trouble a lot. I'm going to go send you to live with your auntie and uncle out in California, out in Bel Air. Now, Will Smith has to transform everything that he knows and likes and wants, and he's transported over to the West Coast into this whole entire new world, this completely different world that he knows nothing about, <laughs> right? So now he's among rich people, and he's among the affluence, and he's among private school people, and he has no friends, and he's trying to fit in into this idea and what that means to live in Bel Air because it's completely different than when he lived in Philly, right? And then one of the things too that, that is kind of difficult for him is that he doesn't know his father. He doesn't know his father. And that is huge for anybody. Your father, for, especially for young men, they're the person that you get a lot of stuff from. 
You learn a lot of stuff from your father. You learn how to do a lot of things. They, they, they teach you a lot of things just growing up. Mothers are super important as well, too. But the father to a son is just a different relationship that the son needs growing up in this world. So in one episode, you know, uh, uh, Will Smith is, he's getting a chance to meet his father for the first time. He's getting a chance to meet his father, and he's super excited about it because this is the first time in a long time that he's met him. I think, I think it's the first time ever. And he's planning all these trips they're going to take, and his dad said, yo, get ready at this time because I'm coming to Bel Air. I'm going to pick you up, and we're going to go on a trip, and we're going to have a good time. And Will is excited. Will, <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Um, some business came up. I got a handle. So we're going to have to put a, our trip on hold. You understand? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's cool. That's cool. Just, just for a couple of weeks. Mm, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little longer. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Look, I'll, I'll call you next week and we'll iron out the details. Okay? Yeah, yeah. It was great seeing you, son. You too, Lou. Yeah, um... I'm sorry, Will. <sighs> you know what, actually, this works out better for me. You know, the Slimmies of Summer come to class wearing next to nothing, you know what I'm Will, saying? Will, it's all right to be angry. Hey, why should I be mad? I'm saying, at least he said goodbye this time. I just wish I hadn't wasted my money buying this stupid present. I I'm sorry, I, you know, if there was... Something that I Hey, you know do. what? You ain't got to do no, nothing, Uncle Phil. Hey, you know, ain't like I'm still five years old, you know? Ain't like I'm going to be sitting up every night asking my mom, when's daddy coming home, you know? Who needs him? Hey, he wasn't there to teach me how to shoot my first basket, but I learned, didn't I? Hey, I got pretty good at it, too, didn't I, yeah, Uncle Phil? Got through my first day without him, right? Mm -hmm. I learned how to drive. I learned how to shave. I learned how to fight without him. I had 14 great birthdays without him. He never even sent me a card. To hell with him! I ain't need him then, and I don't need him now. Will. Nah, you know what, Uncle Phil? I'm going to get through college without him. I'm going to get a great job without him. I'm going to marry me a beautiful honey, and I'm going to have me a whole bunch of kids. I'm going to be a better father than he ever was. And I sure don't need him for that, because ain't a thing he could ever teach me about how to love my kids. How come he don't want me, man? No matter how many times I look at that scene, it still affects me as if I've seen it the first time. Because this idea of not knowing who you are is so, so deep. This idea of not knowing what a father's love is like and not being able to trust somebody in a space where you already feel like you don't belong. And now you're even your own father doesn't have, want anything to do with you. I can't imagine how that feels. And in that scene, you see Will name a lot of things. He says, I'm going to get through college without him. I'm going to get married without him. I learned how to play basketball without him, right? And the things that, are, that he named are really things that he desires to have. Thing, the things that he named in that clip are things 
that we want as well too from people that we are connected to. And you kind of got to put on a front when you're not connected to that person anymore. You kind of got to put on this face or this mask when you realize, man, I don't, I don't feel connected. I don't feel like I belong. It's unfortunate that his dad left in that manner and left in that way and broke all the trust that he was trying to build with his father, right? And this brings me to my first point. Connection is the entry point to trust. Connection is the entry point to trust. And we're gonna to go to John 15 and five. And we're gonna read what scripture says about this. Now, what you also have to understand too is that Jesus here in this scripture is, um, he's preaching a message here and he's talking to the people and people are asking a lot of questions. And Jesus kind of here is answering questions for people as well too. So this is one of his answers. Someone asked about the vine and about connection and about belonging, what that means. And Jesus says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you cannot do anything. Right? So people asking me all the time, why is it important for me to be connected to a church? Why is it important for me to be connected in a way, well, they say connected in general, but I understand what they're saying when they ask me what it means to be connected. And I always point back and look back at this scripture because if we want to do anything of significance, we will have to be connected to something in a deeper way, not just a you know, regular surface way, but really be connected, really belong, right? Really feel like I see a lot in this uh, uh, organization that I'm in, whatever that is, right? In this relationship that I'm in, in this church that I'm in, because I know if I don't connect the right way, I won't be able to produce the right way, okay? Have y'all ever bought like an iPhone charger from like a gas station? <laughs> and not the one from the Apple store, <laughs> right? It works for like a day, for like a day or two. But because it's not connected, it's not made by the manufacturer, it's never gonna work the way that it's supposed to work because it was never intended to connect in that way. Now, when we connect in this way, it's gonna take three things for us to, or three things for us to really connect in this way. It's gonna be vulnerability, sacrifice, and intentionality. Okay? Vulnerability, sacrifice, and intentionality. Relationships on any level are messy. Okay? Relationships at anything, at any point in life, if you have the perfect relationship, but it's still going to be some mess in that relationship. You will have to give up some kind of feeling. You will have to show some kind of vulnerability if you want this relationship to work. Okay? In this relationship that we see with Jesus, Jesus and us, um, Jesus displays vulnerability all throughout the Bible. One particular instance that I'm thinking about right now is when he was tempted by Satan. When he was tempted, he was led out into the wilderness, and he was tempted by the enemy, right? Now, a lot of things Jesus does in the Bible is for example. You feel me? Like when he created the world in six days and then he rested on the seven, he didn't rest because he was tired, <laughs> okay? He rested for an example for us to show, hey, you work, and then you rest, right? So here in the, with the vulnerability, 
He is being tempted by Satan, not because it's so hard and he might give in. And, oh, my goodness, I don't know. If Jesus gives in, everything's gone. You know, it's just, it's just gone. But more so, he's showing that, hey, when, when, when the enemy tempts you, you also can resist temptation the same way I have. So vulnerability is the first thing, because Jesus was in a vulnerable position, but he overcame through the power of knowing the word. So vulnerability is the first thing when you're trying to connect. The second thing when you're trying to connect is sacrifice. Sacrifice is so important, okay? Sacrifice simply means doing things you don't want to do for the sake of someone else. You cannot be in a real relationship. You cannot be in a real uh, connection. You can't belong to something in a real way if there doesn't involve sacrifice. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. We know that. He died on the cross for our sins and sacrificed himself. What are you sacrificing for the things you say that you want to connect to? For the things that say that you, that you want to belong to, right? What are you sacrificing? Just think about it. It's a rhetorical question. And then lastly, on that part, intentionality. Intentionality. Doing it on purpose. Doing it on purpose. Now, that purpose there can be flipped in, in two meanings. It's kind of an entendre. Right? Um, purpose, as far as like we're doing this, we're being intentional, so we're doing this on purpose, not accident. And then purpose, as in doing it on mission, right? Doing it on mission, as far as like, hey, I'm on an assignment, I'm on a mission, I have a purpose to do this. This is my purpose in life. So those three things are gonna help you um, connect more, and it's gonna help you build trust as well, too. Vulnerability, sacrifice, and intentionality. Now, number two belonging before you believe. Belonging before you believe. So as I was getting ready for this message today, uh, I was looking up, you know, just make sure that my theology was right, because it's important that we're saying the right things from the stage. And I got into this wormhole, into this rabbit hole, um, just about debates when it came to people thinking, hey, can I really belong before I believe? And you had a whole group over here that was like, no, you can't. Then you had a whole group over here that was like, yes, you can. So I was torn, y'all. I didn't know what to tell y'all. Because I was like, I don't know, I don't know, ah, right? <laughs> but then I was like, you know what? Let me go to the Bible and see what Jesus did. That's always a good thing to do, right? See, see what Jesus did. So I went back, and uh, I'm happy to report that Jesus lets you belong before you believe, all right? Um, there's an example here um, in Matthew when Jesus was calling the first disciples, and Jesus was calling the people, and he was like, hey, Peter, you, come here. Peter ran over and said, he said, drop everything and follow me. And Peter was like, all right, cool. <laughs> and he just left, and he followed him. Now, later on in Scripture, we see that Peter and the other disciples, they eventually found out who Jesus was. Now, they had heard about him, like, you know, Jesus, that's that dude who's doing miracles over here, right? And they had seen it, probably hearsay was probably on CNN, and it was probably on the news and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. So they had an idea of who Jesus was, but they didn't know, like, really, really who Jesus was. You feel me? So it wasn't until the end of Jesus' ministry where Peter says, he says, man, you are Jesus. Like, you are the Christ. You are the one exactly who you say you are. But that's because Peter was willing to take that risk, and he was willing to jump in because Jesus called him, all right? So the first thing is why you can belong for you believe is because Jesus did it. The second thing is it gives you an upfront work. It gives you an upfront view of the work of the Holy Spirit, okay? 
Imagine being the disciples and seeing everything that Jesus did in his three years of ministry. They saw a lot. They saw stuff in three years of ministry that we'll never see in our life. You feel me? Like they saw Jesus raise people from the dead. They saw Jesus ascend to heaven. They saw Jesus do some wild stuff, turn water into wine. I mean, they saw Jesus do some incredible stuff, right? And although they didn't quite know who he was yet, they grew to believe. They grew to believe who he was. And that same thing with us. You guys may be in here today and have no clue who Jesus is. Some of y'all might be atheists, right? Some of y'all bite here and a little skeptical. Some of y'all like, all right, I'm coming because I heard there's a lot of girls there, so I'm coming, right? For whatever reason you're here, for whatever reason you're here, you are here and something is going to bring you back to church. Maybe not this church, but church in general. Your Your curiosity will not let you stay away because you want to hear about and know about this this, this Jesus person that everybody's so enamored with. So as you keep coming, as you keep coming, and as you keep coming, you are getting this upfront view of the work of the Holy Spirit through people, your friends that come here, through discipleship classes that you see your friends taking, and you might take that with them too as well, through the community groups that you've gone to, right? So the church is a great hub for you to get that upfront view of the Holy Spirit for you to eventually belong. And then... The third part in this, se- in this section, well, before I go on, um, as far as that's concerned with the, with the upfront view of the Holy Spirit and um, Christ just, you can see him working on people's hearts. Um, with that is the invitation. And we talked about this a little bit uh, in the first week, but we have a video here that um, I think displays the point of your, your curiosity keeps you coming back. Um, There's a video here of uh, 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 one of our members here that Lacey invited. Her name is Brooke. And uh, she, uh, you had the video? We good? Make sure we good. Make sure we good. All right. Go ahead and play the video. It speaks for itself. Years ago, my family and I were looking for a church to call home. You know, growing up, we always went to church. um, But I never really had a relationship with God. And I never really felt like, you know, I was just going through the motions of every Sunday we would go to church. And then I met Lacey. And we just hit it off right away. Uh, We met because our two sons were in kindergarten together. And we had an end of the year uh, pool party for their kindergarten class. We were in like the first year of having planted Hill City. Kind of told Brooke about the church. Actually that Sunday that we were about to have was bacon Sunday. And so we were like making bacon for everybody that came in. And so I told her, I was like, this Sunday is bacon Sunday if you guys want to come. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is something that I can definitely get my husband on board with. And then the rest of the time we were like hanging out at the pool party became very dramatic. I fainted. And Brooke quickly like got me to a chair and got me a juice box and she kind of just was my buddy that day and nursed me back to health. Came home from that day and told John, I was like, I made a new friend, I think. And I invited them to church, but I don't know if they'll come. (laughs) Turns out they actually didn't come. But then when it came time for Christmas and our Christmas Eve services, I was like, you know what? I'll just, I'll send them another invite. When she invited us to Christmas Eve service and when I had asked her what to wear, you know, she wrote back very casual and she wrote, come as you are. And when she wrote, come as you are, that just kind of stuck out. And I thought, wow, this is a place where I think is going to be great for our family. So anyways, we walk into church and there is a big band set up on stage. There's glow sticks being thrown all around, glow stick balls being thrown up in the air. And Alex and I just looked at each other and we thought, oh my gosh, like, 
Are we at a concert? Are we at church? You know, where have we stumbled upon? And we went to the service, you know, that night, and it just tugged at something in both of our hearts. From that moment, I was like, this feels like home. So we started going ever since. We've been going now for, I guess, I guess eight years. What God started doing to my heart and the relationship that I started building with him was just, I mean, it was something that I've never felt before and something that I never knew could happen. You know, at Sunday during worship, the songs, I mean, I would just be bawling. And I was like, what is happening? What? And I was, you know, and I remember one sermon, John saying, you know, God can speak to you in many different ways, you know, through music, tears. And when he said that, I was like, oh my gosh, is this God, you know, speaking to me? And so I felt like there's something bigger out there. You know, there's the, you know, there's a purpose. There was something that God has for me. You know, I always believed in God, but I just never felt what he could do, you know, for our community, for me as a person, and just seeing so many lives change through, through all of that. Over the years, everything that you guys have like been involved in and experienced and gosh, it is crazy. Yeah. But I think what's so crazy about it is like, you know, you had invited us a couple times to come and we had declined the invitation, but then when we did come on Christmas Eve and when Alex and I walked in and saw the big band set up on stage, yeah. like that was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is it. Yeah. And so I think God's timing on that was just, he knew maybe those, you know, a few times before it wasn't right, but then when yeah. he did hit it, he hit it big. And the way that God like weaves stories together, it's, right. it's crazy being able to reflect with someone because... Um, you were a stranger. A complete stranger. And like just in like the one conversation that like then led into another conversation and that connection, like you just never know what never God know. is going to do as like right. different stories can go together. how one invite, what it can do. Yeah. Or multiple. Or multiple. Yes. Keep trying. If you once, try through another door or another window or another way. <laughs> you will get me. You got me. Yes. yes you got me. <laughs> Man, I love that story for so many reasons, especially the one where she said, um, you know, one or a few invites. And then she actually came and then experienced, you know, everything that we had going on here, right? So that was an example of that front row view of the work of the Holy Spirit. But you got to actually come. You got to connect. You got to belong to something in order to understand that fully. And then... When we belong before we believe, it keeps our focus outward. It keeps our focus on the things that we need to focus on. The disciples, they walk with Jesus every single day of their lives for three years of his ministry. Three years what was his ministry. And every single time when Jesus preached, he preached to the masses. He wasn't necessarily preaching to his disciples, but he was preaching for the masses. The disciples had their own time in their own church service with Jesus, right? But when Jesus talked, and mostly was giving instruction on how to live and was giving instruction on uh, what it, what's it like to be a Christian and what it means to, be, uh, to follow him, he was preaching outward. And that's how we have to do. We have to keep our focus outward. We have to get in, get all the spiritual food that we need, take the food that we have and give it out. Give it out to the people that need it the most. And when you belong before you believe, you can do that. 
that keeps our focus outward. It's hard for us to resist the urge to become this club with events and programs, which brings benefits mostly to its insiders when Jesus's ministry was life-giving, healing, and redemptive for others. The gifts and the talents that you have, they're not for you. They're for others. You have them for others. Now, you may benefit from them. They're good for you, but ultimately, they are for others. Now, lastly, last point. How do I belong? How do I do this thing that you was telling us about, Corey? How do I do this? How do I do this? Right? Well, first, you believe. You believe. There has to be some level of belief. It could be the smallest level of belief. Jesus says, you only, you only need a mustard seed. That's right. You only need a mustard seed. Right? But on some level, there has to be that curiosity or that spark, right, in order for you to effectively belong. Secondly, you stay. You stay. You stay when it gets difficult. You stay when it gets good. Kind of like marriage. You stay when it's, when it's great. You stay no matter what happens because you made this commitment to wanting to be connected to something bigger than you. In all my relationships with my friends, I fight with all of them. <laughs> it's part of the deal. <laughs> we always get in arguments. But because we have that commitment, we're still friends. We stay. There's protection in staying. I have that relational equity with my friends because I know that, hey, you have my best interests at heart, and I belong to you in a different way than I belong to somebody else. I'm connected with you on past the surface level, but I'm connected with you in a way to where if we argue, I know you're not, like, coming at me crazy just, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, for no reason. But you're, you have an opinion. I have a strong opinion. And in that relationship, we can disagree and fight and argue and all that stuff because we know at the end of the day, we're going to be okay. So that's how you belong. You stay. I think about trees, right? Trees, they don't move. Trees are planted. Their roots run deep. Hurricanes, tornadoes, right? All the bad weather, right? Most times, trees are still going to stay. I'm not saying that's always I mean, we've seen trees get knocked down and things like that. But for the most part, that tree that's in your, in your yard right now, that tree's been there since you lived in your house, right? Because trees are rooted. Trees are planted. And that's how we need to be. Be a tree. <laughs> stay, all right? And then lastly, make space. Make space. Make space, right? I remember when I first came to Hill City, we were over there on the, 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 the smaller room. And then we had to make space because more people wanted to belong. More people wanted to connect to what we have going on. In your life that you have right now, is your circle only big enough for you? Is the way you live your life only big enough for you? Are you the person that's like, no new friends, no, I can't do it, on your Drake, <laughs> right? Or are you like, nah, you know what? I see this person over here, they look like they need a friend. They look like they need an encouraging word. They look like they need to connect with something on a deeper level. Is this what our mindset is towards? Are we thinking about this like this, in this way? Because this is how Jesus thought. This is how followers of Jesus think. We have to continue to make space. Our deepest satisfaction comes not from achieving personal autonomy, but through acceptance into unconditional love. You ever realize that a lot of your 
a lot of your, your most inner needs are things that this world can't satisfy? A lot of those things that you want and that you desire, right, it's not tangible things. Research shows that most people want to be loved. They want to be genuinely accepted. They want to be genuinely connected to something. They want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Of course, we all want to be rich. We want to have the, the house. We want to have the cars. But that stuff's going to fade away. I know poor people that are happy as I don't know what. <laughs> I know rich people that are miserable. You know what I mean? Because at the inner of, in the inner core of us, we want to belong somewhere. We want people to love us. We want to be loved because that is how it is for the human's condition. We have that condition. We have a God-sized hole that is always looking to be filled. And God is looking to fill it with himself. He's saying, hey, let me in. I've been asking for a while. I've been tugging at you for a while. That's me. That's me that you've been filling. That's me. You've been trying to fulfill it with everything else, but that's me you're looking for. That's me. And today, you can make that decision to let him in. As the band comes up, there is something that is very, very important that helps us connect and remember and belong as well, too, and that's communion. And communion is important on so many reasons, for so many reasons, um, and for particularly reasons important to the Christian. If you are, if you are a believer and you, you know, believe that Jesus died on the cross, I definitely think that you should be partaking in communion. If you're not a believer of Christ, please don't feel any pressure to do this. Please don't feel any, like, oh, I, I, I got to do this. This is a thing where it's like, you know, everybody else is doing it. But this part is a way that we connect to Jesus every time that we do this. In Scripture, it shows us and tells us that the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was at the Last Supper, and he held up a piece of bread and said, this is my body. It's broken for you. Some of us walked in here broken today. Some of us walked in here lonely. Some of us walked in here with the issues of the world.